What's up, guys? Welcome to the Flawed Dad's Guide to Parenting, the podcast all about the average flawed dad learning to be a better parent. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Graham so that all of you can learn a little bit more about his background and why you should give a shit about what he has to say. We're going to discuss Graham's family, his pragmatic approach to parenting, his views on immediate gratification versus future gratification, and how a particular summer camp may have changed the course of his life and made him into the man he is today. That and a whole bunch more. Stick around and listen as a couple flawed dads figure out how not to screw up our kids too bad. How are you? I'm nervous. You're nervous. I'm very nervous, yes. Well, I think that everybody who's now been listening to us for 12 episodes, you know, few hundred downloads, they'd like to know a little bit more about each of us. The man, the myth, the legend? Exactly, exactly. And so I thought this would be a good opportunity to get into the mind of Graham. To get to know you a little bit more and give an idea as to why people should actually give a shit what's coming out of your mouth. I mean, obviously I do, since, you know, we talk every single week about this sort of thing. But why should the people on the other end of the microphone uh, care about what's coming out of your mouth? It's a tall order. It's a sales pitch is what you're asking me. I'm, I'm trying to sell myself. Essentially, but mm. in, in a little bit of a softer manner. Countless of individuals have told me I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> well, I, I think in many aspects you've proven them wrong. But why don't we start off, and, and we discussed this a little bit in our first episode, but let's let's take a step back here. Tell Tell me and our listeners a little bit more about your family. Like, uh, how many kids do you have? How old are they? Um, you know, that sort of thing. I, I have a, a huge family background of numerous individuals <laughs> to sisters and brothers and cousins and things. Uh, all false. No, I have a very small family. I am a single child. My mother is also a single child. Um, I have one cousin. That's that's a big family to lean on for <laughs> one aunt familial experience. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a pretty short short list overall. We are, I guess, the largest family. Probably, <laughs> <laughs> my dad has a sister, so you know he has. They're, they're on that side. At least two kids. I have two children now. Right. Uh, so I'm really blowing the the name out here. Yeah, you're you're messing with the statistics yes. of the family there. Yeah. But two daughters. You know, if they take over, marry and, and take mm. over the married name, etc., then, you know, the sorry line uh, on this side will end with a me, which, whatever. It's just another another thing for people not to know how to pronounce. <laughs> and, and so I, I'm going to come back to, to the kids. How does that, because I think this is interesting because it, it's a big one for me. How does it make you feel that the sorry line will end in the event that the girls... Uh, take married names I don't have much of a not like you I mean you have a lot more history and dedication to things about your name I say I don't I don't particularly I mean it, it's, Doesn't matter it's a to name you. to me it's it is what it is it was just something that I thought about ah it's interesting I guess that'll huh okay and then it passed. I don't lose sleep or cry over it, etc. I mean, I'm pretty pragmatic overall. 
it's a name. I we're we're going to touch on that a little bit through the interview. So I think the the lessons, you know, the the things that you pass on mm-hmm. are the lessons, and in the, the legacy is in the characters that you've built, not necessarily the names, right? Um, and and what you leave. So if I do want my name to be remembered. Well, then maybe we'll make a podcast that becomes extremely popular. Right. And, and it's everyone will know what the heck our last names focus are. Focus entirely on your name. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. The Sorry Podcast. So exactly. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm going to change it to. Creating creating legacy through through that. So, so Sorry. So still finishing your question. Yeah. Two daughters. One who is uh, just, just past six and the other one is just past two. Right. Uh, lovely little blonde blue-eyed girls which is bizarre to us yes. because i am a brunette with brown eyes mm-hmm. and my wife is a brunette with hazel eyes yeah and both good, her dad and my dad jeans yeah eh? yeah my dad and her dad both have blue eyes and i guess that's somewhere in there that it's popped out we were both blonde when we were younger yeah so i have a feeling that maybe the blonde hair will slowly okay. fade away but she's, you know, the oldest McKenna is six now and still blonde hair. Who knows? I yeah. mean, can't do anything about it. And they're, if someone wants to persist, well, there's dye for that if they want to. So yeah, not much we can do about that. But the blue eyes, it seems like those are sticking around, which is bizarre as well. Yeah, I mean, they are stunning girls. Like they, they certainly stand out in a crowd um, with the blonde hair, blue eyes. Like that's, it's, uh, it's an interesting feature because they don't look like your kids. Had that lots of times, and yeah. and I don't know whether other people have said it, and and thank you for not doing the joke. Uh, <laughs> I've had other people, you know, say like, "Oh, well, the the mailman come around," and I think, like, do you understand what you're saying here? <laughs> right? You're saying that my wife has cheated on me, and and I've had other like my, I think it was even uh, my father-in-law mm. that joked about it. I'm like, dude, like. You're saying your daughter is like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not, this is, I never laugh to it. Yeah. I never even smile. I just sort of carry on. And I hope that it comes across with people like, I. that's not a funny joke. See, but it's, to me, it is fun. I make that joke about Rachel and I all the time. Okay. Because, you know, when, when Allie was young, she was very blonde. So we had Nevi the brunette, right? We had Allie the blonde and we had Lilia the redhead. And so I always made the joke that it was three different mailmen because we happened to live at three different locations when each <laughs> child was born, right? So to me, it was funny. I don't know if it was funny to Rachel, you know, accusing her of infidelity, but <laughs> to me, I, I thought it was hilarious. So, you know. To each their own. But I, I Everyone I, has their own I, humor. I, I take your point. I take I, your point. I very much, I think I have a very big mark on infidelity not that i've experienced infidelity at all Mm -hmm. but if i watch a movie and i see someone that's if it's just a general movie and someone is starts to be mistreating one of the other sides cheating on them or doing whatever yeah vanessa knows that's the end of the movie for me i get up i walk away i just right i've lost like uh i i just can't stand it even even if that person is being portrayed as the bad guy like you have to walk away, or is it, or is it when the the good person is, they're making it look like that's okay. Yeah, just some part of the storyline that sort of builds explanation. If it's a bad, if it's a side story and a bad guy 
already portrayed as that, then yeah, yeah I wouldn't think it's going to be as big of a deal mm-hmm. to me. Um, with The Wolf of Wall Street, as an sure. example. Yeah. I didn't finish that movie. Oh, okay. Even though he he is being portrayed as the as the bad guy, I mean he's the titular character. Like right, he's the and that's what triggered me is that right. yeah he's he's essentially a bad guy, but he's doing he's doing drugs. He's just being an asshole to mm-hmm. his wife and the new like. I, to, for me, I'm like, why why am I watching this? This yeah. provides me, no, like I'm not learning anything from it. I'm not laughing from it. Mm-hmm. I'm just watching some asshole in his life. Like, mm-hmm. not for me. I'm, I'm not doing this. It was certainly he's a, certainly an entertaining asshole. Like maybe it. I, I've watched it a couple times. Um, I guess because of the industry that it portrays, right? Um, you know, and having spent so long in that industry, yeah. it's uh, it's interesting to watch. But yeah, I mean, he's. That was 80s and 90s financial advising in New York. Yeah. Like it. And great. Good yeah. good for them. Yeah. But I'm not watching it. Yeah, I'm not, that, fair do, enough. I've got other things yeah. I can do with my time than to yeah. watch some asshole <laughs> do whatever he wants <laughs> to, to whoever he wants to me. And uh, so moving on. So you got the blonde hair, uh, blue eyed girls who are now grade one. And I guess just coming up to the age where she would be going into preschool. Thinking about it. Yeah. Thinking about it. We probably so won't. What's, what's the determining factor there as to whether um, she'll go into preschool or not? That's a good question. We put McKenna into preschool just because it seemed like that was the thing that you're supposed to do to try mm-hmm. and get her ready for things and not. Yeah. We only lasted, I think, maybe a month and a half in preschool mm-hmm. um, before we, we didn't bother. McKenna was, every morning it was, oh, do I have to go to preschool? I don't really want to go. And then she was okay when you picked her up at things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very long. Um, but it was long enough. I'm like, oh, this is not worth it. She doesn't want to go. Yeah. We're paying to go here. We're spending time to be able to walk there and back and, and doing all these things. It's not worth it. What we got from it, though, is that preschool was in the same school as where her actual school is. So right. it gained some familiarity of this is where we go. And, you know, okay, I've, I've gained some comfort here. So whether that helped or not yeah. um, for her to go to kindergarten, I'm not sure. But she certainly had no problem mm-hmm. uh, doing kindergarten. I would probably lead to more of the fact that she was older and we had gone and played the playground. We probably could have skipped the whole thing at the right. preschool side. Yeah. So I always think, you know, I've the, the oldest child is the beta test. Yeah. We don't know what the heck we're doing. The second child, well, maybe we have things figured out a little bit more. And so they should be the better version of the first one almost. Because you've learned a whole lot more. Uh, That's the way I look at it at least. Yeah. Yeah, unless unless you're really doing things wrong, and then it's it's a compounding effect of fucking up. <laughs> that's it's, like, it's going either way. Yeah, one right. way or the other. That's right. Yeah. Are you going better version yeah. 2.0, or is it? <laughs> um. So so in that case, you know, will you give will you give Kendra the opportunity to experience it and see if she likes it, or will you just decide that it's it's not for you guys? I would think that we might actually consider doing it um, because we've been living in this COVID world Mm -hmm. for who knows how long it's going to last until. I don't know. I mean, the future is hopeful somewhat. 
but at the same time with these new strains coming out, etc. Mm-hmm. My point is that she is not getting much socializing other right. than her sister, which is at least something, right? Yeah. And, and us. Um, but when McKenna was younger, Vanessa would be taking her to a bunch of different mommy and me classes, mm-hmm. uh, library, read along, sing along things, right? A lot more interaction with different um, individuals. Yeah. Whereas Kendra doesn't get any of that. It's us and McKenna. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, and so trying to socialize her a little bit more, um, you know, so she's not like a rabid dog biting everyone's <laughs> knees and ankles. Yeah. <laughs> and realizing that she can hit and do whatever. Um, trying to get that socializing part going, it's a consideration as well. Yeah. But it's time will tell. It's really dependent on this COVID thing. I don't think there's any point in putting her out there if COVID's still rolling on. We're supposed to be hunkered down and things. I probably wouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. From a risk management perspective, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So now you had mentioned you were an only child. um, And, you know, as an only child, you get a lot of attention to yourself and and all the focus is on you. Yeah. Vanessa being one of two, yes. right? Having her brother. Um, what made you decide to have two kids rather than having only one? It wasn't, uh, it never even really was part of a discussion to just have one. Okay. I don't know why. It seemed like two are probably going to leave this earth at some point in time mm-hmm. and two will continue on. We're maintaining the status quo. Right. And Replacement rate. That's what you were exactly. looking at. It just pure economics. It was the way that you were looking at if, this. Yep. <laughs> Pragmatically, if one person, one child is a deadbeat, I got a backup. <laughs> you know, I got, it's a, it all has to do with us and looking after us when we're older. Right. We need to have right. people around to care for us, so we have to create contingencies in case someone. So did is... did you ever consider only like stopping after after McKenna? No, no, no. I, I guess I'm pausing because there were McKenna was very easy to have. Yes, uh, we decided that we we're going to have children, and all of a sudden McKenna was uh, in Vanessa's belly, and yeah. away it goes. It was. You know, they, simple like they're that. not in the belly, right? They're in the uterus. Oh, is that okay. where it goes? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah, you know, okay. somewhere in there. Simple biology yeah. lesson. Yeah. I had to go back to school. <laughs> and then Kendra was uh, a lot more trial. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple miscarriages. Um, so with all that, some health complications from Vanessa's yeah. side, etc. There was a, uh, is it... Uh, a potential for is it worth it, etc. Right, because, third of, child, because of the danger to Vanessa. Yeah, yeah. The third child was just off the table. Right. Um, from so many different reasons, mm-hmm. and that's a whole conversation we can get yeah, into. Watching me. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that was the main source. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> there's the. If this is what it's like with three kids, count me. There's out. the warning sign right there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now, so, you know, miscarriages is, is a, it's a tough topic for a lot of people, but it's an important one that I think, you know, probably should be discussed more. 
what was it that got you guys through that? You know, in because that's a tough experience that causes a lot of people to make the decision not to proceed. Right. Right. Because it is so painful when it happens. Like, and you're you're a very uh, introspective and and but also pragmatic individual. Right. Like, what was it that got you through that? And and I think that everyone everyone has things differently. It, it everything is a matter of perspective mm-hmm. because we had our first child who was healthy yeah. and there were no problems in terms of having her. Um, I think it helps. Like it's a different circumstance if you go through a couple uh, miscarriages, et cetera, and you have not had any kids at all. Right. Right. That changes everything. Cause then you start to, you almost start to cast a whole lot of doubt. Are we ever going to be able to have children? What's going on? Whereas when you have someone that you can look at that goes, yeah, this, this whole system works here quite effectively. Then I think that reassures you a little bit better. So I think that coupled with the fact that, um, Vanessa and I are fairly level-headed, pragmatic type individuals, then it wasn't, it wasn't too, it wasn't really, uh, an emotional loss perspective. It was more, well, it wasn't meant to be. We're, we're, happier that it didn't go through it could have been later and it would have possibly you know uh, we looked at sort of the almost back to the norwegian or whatever um, danish danish way of thinking where we were trying to think of the better sides of things well it wasn't meant to be maybe there was some health issue with this particular fetus or whatever and so move on yeah uh type stuff and the only challenge was the one miscarriage that Vanessa had was she needed a blood transfusion right. and stuff. So that was, from an emotional standpoint, that yeah. was the worst part because, hey, you know, my wife is actually uh, potentially dying here. Yeah. I need a blood transfusion. It's never a good thing. Yeah. So that was a consideration. Yeah, particularly um, with the age of, of McKenna at that point as well. That would be, mm-hmm. that'd be very scary. Um. Now you managed to make it through it. You had the second child, right? Yes. Um, you know, what did you find were the major differences between having one kid and having two? The big thing for me, looking back, is that we. I think with McKenna, we were is just her and us, and so we didn't really have to worry about anyone else because I was awake, or if I wasn't awake, because I can sleep through almost anything. Mm-hmm. Vanessa, you know, hey, if she wakes me up, it is what it is. You're a parent. You deal with it, right? Yeah. With McKenna around, I do... It was a lot more difficult with Kendra uh, and and call it sleep training. She didn't end up going and getting into a proper night's sleep for a lot longer than what McKenna did. And I think that was because we were rushing to Kendra way faster. If she cried a little bit, Mm -hmm. we got up. And rushed to her because we didn't want to wake up McKenna. We right. think, well, geez, this is the last thing we yeah, need. Yeah, you don't need to have McKenna awake, awake yeah. and this one awake. Yeah. Like, don't want that. Like, we'll, we'll muffle this quick, right? Mm-hmm. Pick her up, console her, etc. Yeah. And I think because of that, you know, kids are geniuses when it comes to hey, everyone loopholes or whatever yeah. it is, right? They realize that they cry a little bit and they get milk and warm mother and yeah. like, what's the harm in this? I'm yeah. just gonna start. Crying, press a this whole bunch. exploit button. Yeah. yeah, 
let's keep pursuing yeah. this. This makes sense. A Pavlovian dog type yeah, stuff. That's right. I cry. That's exactly. I get milk. This yeah. sounds like a great idea. Yeah. And Vanessa, after a bit of time, she says, this has to stop. I mean, yeah. I can't. Uh, she likes her sleep as well. And she has uh, something called Crohn's disease, which is a digestive issue, which is very much uh, affected by sleep. Yeah. And so her lack of sleep mm -hmm. is also affecting her as well. So she sort of looked at me and said, you know, we have to, we have yes. to do something yeah. or other. And that collective we is like, Graham, you need to sort this out. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to get my sleep. <laughs> so then uh, I proceed with sleep training on my own, mm -hmm. thanks to the internet, etc. cetera. Um, went and, and did that and, Maybe my veins are cold as ice as well. And <laughs> well, I yeah. Think, I think the sleep training for me, in my perspective, and again, I'm generalizing here, but I feel like a sleep training is really meant for the dads. Yeah. The dads that take over. I think there's too much of an emotional connection with the mother, and there's, it's really hard, um, at least in my case, I, I was able to just be diligent about it. Like, listen, you know, you're, you're we did the cry it out thing. Mm -hmm. Some people will think that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, that's what we did. That's yeah. what I did. And it worked. And it worked flawlessly. Yeah. It took me one bad night. Mm -hmm. The second was marketably better. And by the third night, she was basically sleeping through the whole yeah. night. Uh, and then I, I stayed with her for another four, three days or so just to mm -hmm. make sure it was consistent. And so looking back, right, I would have, well, one, knowing now how McKenna sleeps. Yeah. She could sleep through anything. Like right. There are fireworks going off in her room. She would yeah. barely wake up. Yeah. So knowing that now, and we found that out after we started just to let her cry a little bit. Oh, mm -hmm. not waking up. Hmm. What's the deal here? Um, if we had known what we had known, we would have let her cry it out a little bit more. Yeah. We'd have gotten to that habit a lot faster. And and now you had, you I from what I remember, because we talked about this in a previous episode, you had Vanessa actually go down to the basement while you were doing the sleep training so that she wouldn't have to yes. hear the crying. <clears throat> Very close. I took, right. I went to the oh, basement. Oh, you went to the basement with? Yes. With Kendra, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we keep... Keep Vanessa in her, in her in her comfy familiar yeah, okay. comfy bed. Fair enough. I will be the one that moves and takes. <laughs> would you would you say that you and and I know this should be true from experience, but our listeners don't. Would you say that you take a fairly pragmatic approach to everything in your life? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm smiling. You're because, smiling and chuckling. Yeah. <laughs> this will come as a shock to you, Warren. But yes, <laughs> that is my general approach. This is, this is, I guess, you know, one of the things I wanted to spell is, is we have, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time and we have some, what might be considered inside jokes and I want to make sure everybody else is in <laughs> on them. And, and so, so maybe tell the listeners a story of your pragmatism and, and the birth of it and, and how it comes about, because it is a topic that comes up a lot in our conversations and it's probably yes. a good one for us to cover the history as to how it began etc that's an interesting question where 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 the graham pragmatism began i don't know we have two fairly pragmatic parents i definitely and that's probably where it started 
um, my childhood wasn't anything. It, a lot of people, I think, I mean, Vanessa would say basically I was the the perfect child. I would I would get brought to dinners with my mom and dad. We'd mm-hmm. go out for dates, and they'd bring me, and I would just sleep under the table while mm-hmm. they would eat. Like, why would we need a babysitter? This this kid's gonna go to sleep anyways. Right. We'll just bring him and stick him under the table, mm-hmm. and he'll fall asleep there. He can sleep on anything. You know, what's the big deal? And I would be in the same boat. I would totally agree if I one of my children does that. Like, hey, yeah. we're taking it along. So you're arguing nature versus nurture for in terms of your pragmatism. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know. It depends on... <laughs> and this is a constant debate of yeah. us, which is another good joke. I would potentially argue as well that the <laughs> nurture side of things is because I was brought to a whole bunch right. of things and yeah. that fostered okay. the fact that I can sleep anywhere and uh, went from there. Which so, came first? I don't know. So childhood, you're, you're always fairly, you know, you were the perfect child, the calm in restaurants. You, you know, you were given lots of exposure to situations where you were allowed to prove yourself as a pragmatic child. Yeah, I, I suppose so. And And then... Over time, I wasn't. I don't think I had a typical only child experience, mm-hmm. uh, where, I mean, I, I, I got things. I, I suppose just like every child did at mm-hmm. Christmas time, etc. But I was not spoiled in. Right. I, I would say at all. Yeah, uh, you're. I wouldn't classify your parents as spenders. No, no. So I remember saving up for a transformer mm-hmm. when I was younger. I still have the transformer. It changed to seven different yeah, like shapes. It was an awesome thing. Pretty expensive, I think, at the time. I'm going to say it was probably $90 or mm-hmm. something like that. And I saved a while to be able to buy that myself. Um, I felt good about doing it. And, you know, it's, uh, now is, is that people could look at it like, God damn, those parents, <laughs> they let this young child save up for this thing. But the other way you could look at it, I mean, that's probably... You were, the, you were taught financial responsibility yeah, from a very early age. Very yeah. early on. And so because of that, that's carried through for me being a saver my mm-hmm. whole life, very likely. So ultimately, it's not a bad thing at yeah. all. But there are lots of circumstances where I say, yeah, I, I didn't have that. And people are like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> you poor little Graham. But... You know, don't feel bad for me. I I seem to turn out reasonably well. Yes. uh, Given all the circumstances, mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, I I guess, I don't know what different events would have caused me just to think, ah, well, this is what it is and I move on and I don't think too much about it. there There wasn't anything in particular of my lifestyle or my, like I wasn't any, I wasn't a super jock, nor Mm -hmm. was I a super nerd. I was sort of even keel on everywhere. So I would say I'd have an overall balanced Mm -hmm. lifestyle in every shape. It wasn't like I had any, many extremes. I saw both sides and I was sort of, um, it feels like I'm describing myself as like a meh. <laughs> right? I wasn't anything good. I wasn't anything bad. I was kind of just meh <laughs> in the middle there. <laughs> I think I, I played to everyone's sides. Yeah. I was, you know, I was very much aware of all circumstances. <laughs> Maybe because 
one there's there's I went to a camp. Okay. I went to a camp when I was in I think grade eight. And would you believe that this camp was sponsored? My parents did not have to pay for it. <laughs> this big came come as a massive shock to you, Warren. Uh, <laughs> another good inside joke for us there just trying to make more and laugh of course my parents being frugal um hey if a bank is gonna offer yeah uh, a, a camping uh camp summer camp whatever it is and there's nobody applying for it mm-hmm. then hell yeah we're gonna do that too wouldn't put in passing as well i'd do the same thing yeah the scenario though is this particular camp was called camp rainbow Okay. Which from a guy, a 13-year-old, 14-year-old, I can't remember how old I was, mm-hmm. dude going to a, something called a Camp Rainbow. I'm like, Mom, like, there is no way am I going to this. I'm like, well, you're going. It's free. Yeah. So <laughs> pack your bag, son. It's going there. And it was a, I guess, a, it was a, sort of by the name it was sort of a feely talk about your feelings you every night you sort mm-hmm. of have a sit down thing and i remember being there because most of the people is credit unions that sponsored it okay a lot of individuals that couldn't afford to be there if they wanted to and things and so i felt almost like a wolf in sheep's clothing to okay. a degree because the share times was deep, deep shit that was getting talked about right. a lot of times, like sometimes abuse, yeah. sometimes horrible situations. And then I'm sitting there like, <laughs> and, and I feel like I'm feeling pressure right. at this point in time. Come up it's like, I have to come yeah. up with something here that's yeah. like shareable yeah. within this group because I like, I have two parents that yeah. love me yeah. and I'm safe yeah. and I have food on the table. Yeah. I have the clothes that I could think of. I mean, I'm not getting uh, spoiled, but I've been well provided for, cared and loved yeah. and, and I don't really get beat up. I yeah. don't, uh, you know, like I'm fairly attractive, you mm-hmm. know, I don't really have any issues there. Like, yeah. so it was just a really weird experience. I remember that. I was like, fuck, this is. This is a nightmare. This yeah. is a nightmare situation for me in a weirdest sense. So, so what because, story did you come up with? I can't remember. My uh, mom unplugs the VCR. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have heat on at yeah, the nighttime. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> I have to so, wear an extra sweater so or something. As a, as a part of to let people in on the inside joke, uh, at Graham's house, uh, the first time I think I ever went there, the VCR was unplugged, and I asked why, and. And Graham informed me that his mom had unplugged it uh, in order to not waste electricity, which, you know, granted, I totally get it from a, from an environmental and economic perspective. It makes sense to me, you know, growing up in the household <laughs> that I did, that was probably one of the strangest things I had ever heard. And yeah. so to this day, that acts as a bit of a, a joke uh, on the frugality of, uh, of Graham's yeah. existence. And I don't deny that, that it's interesting, you know, that is a very memorable moment for you. Mm -hmm. I can't remember that at all. Right. (laughs) It makes total sense. Right. I can, I'm not saying that you're lying because yeah, a hundred percent, I'm sure that would happen and did happen, but I can't remember that at all. Yeah. So what story did I come up with? I don't remember. Yeah. But the benefit of that camp Mm -hmm. was, um, I was, I guess a a slow and steady type individual. Mm -hmm. So I was still short, um, you know, I wasn't 
you know, I wasn't going through puberty yet, mm-hmm. particularly um, still interested in girls, but not, you know, I wasn't getting muscles or tall or anything like that. So right. I was reasonably short. Then anyways, uh, this camp was, I mean, Hey, camp rainbow was fucking awesome from a pure chicks scenario because there are way more females there because it's called camp rainbow. Right. So it was like the majority of females were around some guys. And all of a sudden I became like sort of one of the popular people probably because I was really not that messed up yeah you, right? were, like, you weren't carrying the the you know the massive baggage yeah the, so i would sort of situation. walk around and be yeah. okay with Happy talking to people and and, yeah. and whatever so it, it allowed it opened me up a whole lot more i would say i was fairly reserved mm-hmm. um, before this and after the camp it definitely changed me for the better i right. was way more social i was hugely more confident mm-hmm. um i made out with like three girls it was like <laughs> i was like I had boners nonstop, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, like it was a weird, wild experience. So yeah. like, I'm ready to come back next year for yeah. sure. Sign yeah. me up for this camp rainbow. Yeah. And- Except it's not free. <laughs> <laughs> so you never got to go again. I did. Oh yeah. Okay. I kept going. Okay. Yep. Yep. My, I guess my parents saw the, the value in it, value in it. And I was, um, it I was, was awesome. I was going to say, because you're, as much as you're incredibly pragmatic and I would say uber logical, right? <laughs> <laughs> Almost to a fault uh, at some points. You're also very uh, emotionally connected and introspective, which which don't necessarily go hand in hand. Right. Right. You, you have the ability to have a deep emotional conversation while still following a very, very logical process right. to get to those uh, extrapolations. Yeah. Um, would you credit that to, to Camp Rainbow? As- I Yes, it has to be. There's to be. I end up being a counselor. There. Okay. That's how much I was sort of... To a degree, I felt... As, as I matured, mm-hmm. I became even more... Like, again, the slow and steady type route. So I wasn't you know, part of, um, many sports teams necessarily. I wasn't good enough to be on, um, any high school teams. I did play mm-hmm. football, but I, I got bigger and older and better. And so then my, my later years, I became, uh, a lot more, maybe with the confidence together, I, I became more, I guess you would call at least in appearance, especially more like a jock. Okay. Um, and so I felt almost more of a responsibility to go back to this camp to provide even more of a balance mm-hmm. uh, to the world for all these other dudes that would come into the camp and see a bunch of different counselors, uh, some guys as well, but me more emotional or uh, I don't know what you would call it. Um, hempy okay sure yeah <laughs> right yeah uh, d- that different style whereas i was a stark contrast mm-hmm. from almost anyone else within that group you you gave you gave a different class of kids an opportunity to connect with somebody that right. maybe looked and acted a little bit more like them yeah yeah well not necessarily acted like them i felt the responsibility to show that you can be Fair an enough. individual that is uh you know exercises is fit and 
again, I mean, emotionally connected. I don't like to time. say uh, attractive, but I think yeah. overall people would call me attractive. I so would. it, it yeah. is what it is. And so by doing you that, look, you look almost exactly like Josh Duhamel from. Uh, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So by being actually not a dick. Yeah. Right. Apparently, by that's talking to a lot of different quality. individuals, <laughs> being social, and and also. Uh, trying to be a straight goof like as i was i was a way more goofy at those camps right just to show like hey it's okay to embarrass yourself in mm-hmm. these situations right like to be cool you don't have you just want to be comfortable and be goofy and trying to open people up a little bit more and yeah. i think i did a very good job of that because I think that provided a lot of the quote unquote cool kids who come in and say yeah. like, yeah, I got to wear this and you know, like roll my sleeves up and feel cool. And yeah. you know, I don't want to be here type stuff. And then you see, well, the Graham over here, guys having a time of his life, you know, yeah, wearing a dress or something. I don't right. think there were situations where I mainly did, but something like that, where I would, I would happily make myself quote unquote, the this, fool, but it would make self deprecating humor allowed. Exactly. Yeah. Allowed for other people to not take themselves yeah. so seriously. So that had to have really fostered that and, and gained that goofy sort of side to me. Um, yeah. And and not taking things very seriously as well. So I think probably a lot of that has helped me just uh, gain appreciation of, eh, you know, things, positive outlook type stuff. Things will things to look at or look at the bright side of things or, yeah. you know, whatever. And, and especially when you see all the horrible stuff that other, like listening to this stuff is heavy, heavy stuff. And yeah. you think, man, do I have any position to complain about anything? Right. At this point right. in time? Yeah. Like I cannot, you know, oh. Perspective's an amazing oh, thing. It is a yeah. real teacher for yeah. sure. And and that is, is still, you know, I, I can't help but think, Crohn's disease, mm-hmm. right? So Vanessa has Crohn's disease, and you could say, "Oh, that that's horrible," mm-hmm. and it is. It is horrible as compared to myself, who yeah. is ha- you know healthy and don't I can eat whatever, yeah. right? Other than no onions. question, yeah, <laughs> I can eat, I can eat onions. <laughs> I can eat onions, but it's just a good thing that I have not today because uh, you are benefiting yeah. from that for sure. The smell, <laughs> clear the room type so- stuff. So, okay, so um, Camp Rainbow, that sort of stuff, and then you wind up at uh, UBC. Yes. Um, and studying kinesiology. Yes. My plan was to become a medical doctor. Right, right. That was the, the path. I don't know. I, I would be a good doctor. Mm-hmm. That much I know. There's no question. I could be a good surgeon as well. Yeah. I have no problem with gore or guts and uh, things like that. I don't know exactly why I decided that that was the thing to do. The challenge with being going into university right after high school, I think, is you don't really know what you're doing. I think, you know, especially early on, older individuals ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's sort of like your default question is like, I don't know, lawyer, doctor, fire person i guess and that yeah. sort of just stuck with my mom was a doctor yeah so like, all right well yeah you're, you're like, given a fairly limited set of paths that yeah. you're that you're allowed to believe are acceptable at that point yeah it doesn't seem like whereas now i think i feel like the, mm-hmm. the world is a lot with the internet and everything else 
it seems like people have realized that there are a lot more options, but it feels like back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not that long well, ago. Well, I mean, it's enough. still, it's, it's 20 plus years ago. It, it seemed like you didn't, anyway, so I, I was interested in it. I do enjoy the body and, mm-hmm. and learning about that and et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go into that. Yeah. And that's what I did. And then third year into university, et cetera, I'm like, Ugh. You're in a fraternity. In a fraternity and, and yeah. seeing all the other good things in life. Yeah. And I don't really want to focus all my time on studying, yeah. et cetera, for this thing. And, and then I ended up talking to my mom as well and mm-hmm. asking her, hey, what is it actually like to be a doctor? Because I never asked. Mm-hmm. And she said, eh, it's okay. You know, and I, I think that she had an idea that maybe I was really doing it more for the uh, cash, mm-hmm. the, the money side mm-hmm. of it. She's saying, yeah, I mean, money's not bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but but if you factor in the amount of hours that I have to put in yeah. constantly studying, the amount of extra school that you have to go through, yeah. um, the just the, the unrelenting amount of time and energy that you have to put into it, plus the fear of lawsuits potentially and writing things that like you have to be yeah. meticulous all these other things like i don't think it's really something that i would recommend unless you truly love it and right. and it i she didn't say this but it was sort of like i guess it was more obvious that like well i don't i don't really love it it's yeah. not this is the my calling in life and then that's also dovetailing more the practical side of things thinking you know i wasn't top of the class Mm -hmm. uh, across the board i did still well but i wasn't you know guaranteed to get in and then to hear that the the average individuals to apply it takes like one or two or three times Mm -hmm. uh, attempts to get into class i'm like ugh. so you have to commit to doing this time and time again and volunteer and all these different steps like no forget it yeah so i scrapped it yeah and so you took a different path took a different path now you know, in terms of in terms of the fraternity, obviously that's how you and I met. Um, what would you say if you were to look back at your time in the fraternity? What would be kind of the key inspirational or um, you know the, the key things that you learned from it that that had an impact on your life? The 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 what they were uh, the treasurer. You know, the treasurer position, that was my first position that yeah. I, I got into when I got there. That sort of really brought me into more the financial sort of world a little mm-hmm. bit. I was always decent with my money, but it wasn't like it would go in my bank and yeah, I wouldn't really do anything. And I didn't really have to worry about budgeting because I never really spent very much money. Mm-hmm. So I could spend whatever it is I wanted on what I wanted, which wasn't very much because yeah, I, guess. <laughs> I was frugal. Um, but I didn't have to worry about budgets or doing yeah. anything like that. Whereas the treasurer, then I did. I had to, you know, it was a decent sum of money and dealing with all the different things and planning different events, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that was eye-opening and, and worthwhile. The camaraderie as well. I mean, it's uh, it was it was great yeah. to have that world and the... Of course, the parties and yeah. the girls and, and everything else that was involved yeah. with it. That's how you met your wife. How I met my wife, yes. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, wouldn't change that for anything. Yeah. Um, but those are the the main parts, I guess, just human. 
another study in human behavior Mm -hmm. to a degree as well, because as you get a whole bunch of different walks of life, different walks of life than what I went through from a a camp counselor perspective. Yeah. And, and especially I was also a house manager for a little bit of time and trying to control these uncontrollables. (laughs) Right. And, and looking back, I didn't, I wasn't doing uh, a very good job of it. I, I could have been done a lot better. I was very much more, stick type mm-hmm. things um and i yeah i would have if i could go back in time mm-hmm. to a couple things i would have definitely changed what i would have done there yeah as long as it didn't change anything about me beating my wife right yeah uh, i would have done that and then i would have also changed my major too yeah those now, are the two things now through through doing the the treasurer position and everything it led you into a career of what over a decade of working in finance yes right um but you've made changes recently you know uh from working in finance to to e-commerce and i i I mean you and i have spoken about this before in terms of its impact on your ability to do the things you want to do particularly as a father right and so i wanted to ask you you know what was it that led you to making those decisions you know, not necessarily from a monetary perspective, although it's been very good to you, but from a, you know, taking control of your life and, and yes. ownership over your time perspective. A lot of it came down to the fact that I was also unhappy in my previous job. Right. I was getting paid handsomely. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no problem in terms of me paying bills, etc. It was very nice. I realized that at, I guess my pragmatic, I was, I wasn't the person that I normally was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized that I, I was working late a whole lot. I was largely prickly. I, I wasn't myself, okay. like even to my wife, um, I would be a little bit more snappy at times because I mm-hmm. was like, stressed, I, you yeah. know, having to deal with all these different things. I had a whole lot of responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, it wasn't a snapping. It was just a clarity, uh, at some point in time that, you know, there, there are in my financial view, there are three simplistic, three different ways of, uh, of why people work that you have to work to feed yourself. Yeah. Right? Sort of the basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs yes. type stuff, right? Yeah. You, you do that. Uh, fortunately, in in our world, the Nor- North America, et cetera, um, Canada in particular, there aren't as many people in that boat. There are yeah. some, yeah. but not as many. You know, fortunately, and I hope no one has to do that. But then there's the next zone, which probably is the majority, like eighty percent of the individuals, mm-hmm. and those people are working ultimately to retire. Yeah, that's their goal. Yeah, right. It's, to work until they no longer have to work. Right. Yeah. I. I enjoy, hopefully everyone enjoys what they're doing, Mm -hmm. but given the choice, given a lottery ticket, Mm -hmm. they would quit tomorrow. Yeah. I don't care enough about that job. Yeah. Right. And then there's the last point of, of individuals that are probably more business owners, uh, more than often, not necessarily the case, but more likely so Mm -hmm. where there are people that are working, uh, because they want to work, not that because they have to, they truly enjoy what they're doing and therefore it's not as they call it, not really work. 
They just happen to be paid for it. Yeah. Most of the time it's business owners because they're able to create something that they actually truly enjoy and, mm-hmm. and get paid for it. Not always the case. And so I realized that I wasn't really in any of those three situations. I didn't like doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't need the money necessarily to, I wouldn't call it retire, but because of our frugal lifestyle, yeah. we could maintain we didn't need the income that we were getting in order to maintain our lifestyle. Yeah. So why is it that I'm doing it? Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I'm, my needs are being met. I have food on the table, a roof over our head and I hate what I'm doing. Yeah. So what is it that I'm doing here just to get more shekels? Yeah. Like, well then what's the point of life type stuff? Yeah. Um, So I made the, which was an easy choice, but I think everyone else would look at it thinking like, you are an imbecile <laughs> to do this. I can't believe you would walk away for something like that. Yeah. But I did. Yeah. And, and it's now, been good. And now you own your own time. You're on nobody else's clock. Yes. I mean... You, Which is good and bad. You keep your clock pretty full either yeah. way. There's good and bad. That's the, you know, you, you essentially built an entire business today, um, <laughs> which is amazing by the way, but it's, you know, it, it, I'm sure that it was a long arduous day. And then to have me text you and say, Hey, come over. I'm interviewing you tonight. <laughs> um, you know, it's probably, I'm okay, there. I'm going to sacrifice my sleep in order to do this. Um, so, you know, you, you took ownership over, over the, over your, career, profession, you know, employment, whatever you want to call it. Um, and that has definitely benefited your kids uh, in particular because you've, you, and I have spoken about this a lot, you've really taken ownership over a lot of their education. Yeah. Right. That's, that's been a big focus of yours. Yes, for sure. Um, and you've seen some really good results out of it. Yeah. Um, you, but you've also taken that time to focus on the books and, and articles and everything in order to become a better parent. Mm-hmm. And it's been a big focus of yours, which is exactly the, the, the entire beginning of this, this whole podcast experience was, was surrounded around that was the conversations that you and I were having. Um, what was it that, because, you know, I existed in this world as a parent before you were, and I never had that drive to go down that road of parenting. There were a lot of other things that, that caused, that were of interest to me before the idea of becoming a better parent. Right. Um, what was it that drove you into that realm? What made you decide that you were going to allocate those hours to reading the books and, and those sorts of things? And what is it that our listeners, you know, whether it moms or dads, could take away from that that is going to assist them in finding the motivation to do those sorts of things? From a personality perspective, I've always been, I think, uh, yeah, I could figure things out myself, mm-hmm. but why? Right. There are so many other people that have tried so many different things. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to consume as much information as I possibly can and then make my own decision from all of these other trials and errors. Like, why would I try a hundred times? when someone else has already tried a hundred and the other person's tried a hundred and I can cut that span way down. Yeah. That seems to be way more efficient to yeah. me. The, the pragmatic approach. The pragmatic yeah. approach. Yeah. And so the, 
going into parenting books, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like to me, it was almost like, well, why wouldn't I? Because I'm saving potential headaches that might not ever exist because I just spent a little bit of time ahead of things. I mean, I guess that's always been my mentality is, is spend some more, way more time up front mm-hmm. for the long-term benefits of everything. That's largely almost every part of who I am investing as well, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you sacrifice something now, mm-hmm. right? It's something if it, if be it your time or be it money or be it yeah. something or other, you are, you're exchanging that for something greater likely yeah. in the future. Immediate gratification versus future gratification. Right. Yeah. And so I exchange future gratification mm-hmm. way more heavily than I would think largely anyone else does. Right. And realizing that child rearing is a long-term game. Yeah. And usually the reason why you have children, which is an interesting point to talk about anyways, yeah. but you probably want to see them be as successful as possible. Mm-hmm. I guess more successful than you ideally ideally Um, and so well let's try and get them in the best best place possible Mm -hmm. so that starts with me how could I get better to regret them better to move them into the next zone and it helps everyone Um, and then it helps of course that I had a lot more time I mean yeah you have more time it provides you the ability to be able to do that sort of stuff yeah and and looking back at all the stuff that I did, yeah, it was. I wouldn't say that there was really anything that would be a waste of time. Yeah. Um, that I did with that sort of stuff, it's it was a hundred percent worth it. Yeah. And, and just because it cuts down so much more stuff, you, you get that information ahead of time. Yeah. And you try it. I would talk to a whole bunch of different people. A lot of a lot of parents don't like. Uh, one of the interviewees that we we spoke with as well was saying, "Nah, I." I just like doing my own thing and figuring mm-hmm. it out and to each their own, but that's not me at all. Yeah. I want to consume. I will ask every single person out there, Hey, what, what did you do? Oh, you have a couple of dollars. What's it like getting into teenage years? what did yeah. you do then? Like I'm always yeah. picking, you're thinking, you're thinking picking the, the brain thinking yeah. about the future. What this nugget that away. Okay. Mm-hmm. Think about that later, et cetera, et cetera. Like use someone else. Yeah, <laughs> their time and effort, and and all benefit from that. So yeah. that's always been my thing. So, I think a lot of people would would ask if you're always thinking about the future, do you have the capacity to enjoy the present? And you know, I know you, but a lot of our listeners don't. Do you believe that you have the ability to enjoy the present to the level of somebody who's maybe less pragmatic and less future focused? Um, do you think you're, you're sacrificing too much at points when you, when you look at it in such a heavy future gratification focus? Uh, Probably yes. Okay. Yes. But you, but you still deem that it's worthwhile. Yeah. I guess that's just the way I've been built. Right. Uh, It's, um, I am trying, I do spend time and, you know, try and enjoy it, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, I do definitely think more about the future okay Mm -hmm. look at the time you know if we're playing with kids or something right and we're having a fun time i'll look at the clock ah okay well it's probably time for us to Mm -hmm. get ready for bed right Right. eight o'clock bedtime let's let's lock this down yeah right i go to that a lot more than ah okay well that's whatever and it's really not that big of a deal i mean Mm -hmm. if they sleep in and maybe are late for school or Mm -hmm. whatever it's 
that's what the case is, but I will probably just switch to, no, okay, that was fun, but let's lock this down. Yeah. Uh, type stuff. Which, it is weird. I don't, I, because my brain is wired like that, I don't feel like I'm missing out. Yeah. Like, I don't have any regret, well, and, per and, se. And I would, weird. I would say from a, a third party watching you, that you get a lot of joy about uh, in in the challenge of working towards the future, right? Like the activities that you do and and that sort of stuff. You're you're encouraged by the success that you have in in looking towards the future because right. you have had a lot of success in and it. the results that yeah. come from it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you teach a child to ride their bike, right? Mm-hmm. And and they're going, and you're ex- you're happy. You're happy for them yeah. but i think you're also largely happy because you're like yeah mm-hmm. look at look at the amount of time and effort that i have put into this yeah. and and look at what's happened right yeah. there's a immediate reward of that right oh, i tilled this garden forever and now look at the garden mm-hmm. now and and all these different things so yeah th- that is probably the biggest enjoyment that i get is seeing like oh yeah I mean, so mckenna was uh, over the past while had a report card and pretty good report card yeah. in terms of where she is reading level good like act above good yeah. type stuff like hey great um yeah we don't it... we don't get report cards like that but <laughs> so i asked the teacher as i would always do yeah. is not surprising to you yeah where can we improve? where else yeah. can we improve on this yes. right we're not hitting hundreds across the board i don't think yeah you know where's the where's the gullies here what mm-hmm. can we do and focus focus is a big thing mm-hmm. get distracted she gets distracted often etc mm-hmm. and so we we created a focus goggles mm-hmm. imaginary focus goggles that okay. she puts on over top of her to be able to yep. finish the task hey let's work on this soon yeah, you're giving her like race racehorse blinders that's right yeah. okay let's do the blinders okay. focus goggles we call it yeah and then just uh i checked in with the teacher the two weeks after i say hey you know how things are going how are the focus goggles how's she doing and teacher says it's night and day difference mm-hmm. uh, she puts these goggles on and she's finishing her task so much more and mm-hmm. it's amazing what and and so it's those types of things you're like wow you know it's, yeah. there was a problem we talked about it um i did the one part that i i did moderately lie okay i did say to and and it's possible this was the main reason (laughs) (laughs) and so i said to her i said listen because we're trying to do something really get dressed or whatever it is i was like if you can't stay on task here then we might have to go see a doctor Mm -hmm. right because you might have to take some pills or get a shot I said. Right. And, and so the shot scared her into give her kicking well, the butt into gear. She yeah. certainly said, uh, I talked about it, how mm-hmm. the achievement, she, she must be, she must be very proud of herself for, you know, how do you feel? You must be happy with yourself with the effort that you're putting into, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Not I'm proud for whatever, mm-hmm. right? Back to the, what we talked yeah. about before. Yeah. yeah. The way, the manner of praise. Yeah. Manner of praise. Yeah. Trying to focus on that mm-hmm. and work on that a little bit. Um, anyway, she came up with, <laughs> now I don't have to go to the doctor. 
yeah, that's true. Whatever, whatever works, I guess. Uh, there, there are definitely going to be some listeners uh, hearing this that are like, you're creating a stigma of, uh, you know, uh, drug, um, you know, drug use and, and that sort of stuff. Like, you know, that there's going to be judgment, but who cares, right? I'm very much aware we don't want to use this infamous doctor a whole bunch because yeah. you want to also have doctors not being that yeah. bad. Um, she's gonna. Be, she's gonna. She remembers the shot. Yeah. She remembers the shot. She. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> maybe not the proudest moment that I, I would have been better you know not what? to, but effective. What, it seemingly what's the very title? Effective. What's the title of this? Flawed dad. Right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We're not perfect. Um, not perfect. So, I mean, that's you. You you have a lot of pride in in the success of the girls, which is amazing because they're they're amazing kids. Um, and I'm I'm wondering because a lot of the stuff we talk about is is you're reading books that sort of stuff. How do you interact with Vanessa with regards to the planning? How you're going to parent? Is it is it largely a you two step aside, have a discussion of how you want to run things, um, that sort of thing? You come back into the room and then mutually deliver it, or is it largely driven by one of you or the other? Mm-hmm. Um, like how how do you approach it from that perspective? I, if I were to blend it down, it would probably be I'm consuming just a metric ton of information, mm-hmm. and then some of that bleeds over into. Uh, what Vanessa Vanessa is very sort of similar ish to me. She's the she's a bit of more of a yang mm-hmm. to my yin at the same time. Okay. though. Um, she provides a lot more. Uh, it, it's back to our conversation yeah. about managing parenting styles. Yeah. I am I am a lot more cold mm-hmm. if you were to call it right forward looking. Well, this is the way it is. Yeah. You know things are moving on. Uh, I think that's been a benefit overall with me being there because there aren't really many uh, issues overall with the children because like I'm just around and this immovable force <laughs> is is there and things proceed because they're aware that hey this has been said and it's not it's not mean or anything it's just you know we need to get going all right we're getting going I guess just because yeah. If you just keep running into a wall, uh, then you just learn to go with that wall, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Vanessa is a lot more balanced in the fact that she's, you know, sometimes, hey, let's, I don't know, it's okay, let's do this. Or she, you know, gives the kids a, a lot more. And uh, I am I am flawed in that sense, for sure. Like, like candy, et cetera. Like they probably, mm-hmm. realistically, they would probably never have candy right? with me. Yeah. They'd probably never have ice cream. They'd yeah. probably never have chips and fun stuff, mm-hmm. et cetera. Well, yet you can eat an entire bag of chips in about 35 seconds. Yep. Inhale it. <laughs> Only if it's open though. That's the, right. again, that's right. the weird part about it. I, I will walk down an aisle, right? A grocery aisle. Mm-hmm. I'll be famished. And chips will be there, but I won't buy it. Yeah, it's a, a weird world that I live in. And yeah. I love chips, but <laughs> I won't buy chips. It's uh, I I don't get it. so that just 
the way I'm built. And so I, yeah. you know, I, I very much appreciate that she's able to provide some of the stuff that the enjoyment of the things yeah, that, to open a bag of chips for you. Yeah. Yeah. For me and yeah. for everyone else. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the enjoyment side of things, the sort of live in the moment type things um, that I would probably just skip over. Right. Right. That yeah. just, and you know that, that oh, yeah. very likely yeah. it does not surprise you no. in any least. <laughs> it's just uh, what I'm thinking. And, and I don't, I can't think of why it is. It's just, it doesn't, I, I just don't have that in my brain that, that I need this now. It, it's a weird yeah. thing. Everything is sort of a game. I enjoy, I enjoy the, the results of something rather. Yeah. I need to see something tangible or whatever yeah. in order to, for me to get some type of enjoyment out of it. Right. Um, so I have, I have one or two more questions before we, before we close it out. Um, the first, the first question being, uh, if you could, if you could go back and give yourself a couple pieces of advice, say two pieces of advice before having kids, what would that advice be? Before having kids, okay. So the biggest one is, mm-hmm. uh, is spend more money. Okay. I remember, I remember Vanessa and I were on a trip and I, it might've been the first trip that we went on. I don't remember, but it was Jamaica. Okay. I remember it was in Jamaica and Vanessa wanted to go to some, well, it was waterfalls. Yeah. Ocho Rios. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what the falls were there, but, uh, the pretty big falls. Mm -hmm. And so she wanted to go there. And my frugal whatever self, I was like, ah, eh, you know, maybe we'll just walk around or something like mm-hmm. that. And she was annoyed at that point in time. She doesn't really, and, and I, I can't remember what she said, but the point was, is like, well, we're not like, what are we doing here? We're going on vacation. We're not able to spend yeah. anything or whatever it is. And uh, I can't remember, but that was the crux of it, right? Okay. Like, what's the matter with you type stuff, yeah. right? And so, oh, fine, we'll we'll go. Mm-hmm. And it was the single like best experience that I probably have had on a trip. Right. Um, we got to hike up these falls. The water was crashing over me. It was almost I don't know if you've been to these falls. No. Um, Duns River. That's what it was. Duns okay. River Falls. And there was a section because we went by ourselves. We didn't have a tour. Everyone else was holding hands, walking up the side of this river and a safe side of things mm-hmm. and we were on the other side climbing up like a almost carved in stairs yeah inside the mountain with water flowing over top of us if we climb these ladders oh, and stairs cool. up into it we were jumping into big boulders like sometimes slipping because mm-hmm. it was slippery into the water run up and we went up and down these falls like four times we were yeah. exhausted by the end of it yeah but I was having an absolute blast, probably more so with the fact that just looking over at these sad saps, right? Some people that are same age as us and they're holding on to like a 70 year old lady. Yeah. Right. Hold on to the grandma. Like you have to go up and like one foot at a time, one foot at a time. And then we're laughing and running up and (laughs) falling down and climbing up these falls. It was the the best experience. And I remember at the end of this, I I apologize. I said, I'm so sorry. Like this has been the best thing and it would not have happened 
had you not have made more of a stink, had yeah. you not want to do this. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I still have a large part of that. It, it's some type of reserve to me, but you know, it at least opened it up into the world that, yeah, we should do that. And it's almost, if I could go back in time, <laughs> I remember thinking or telling someone else this too, you know, the, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. the money that you're making when you're a teenager or uh, even in your 20s or whatever, yeah, adult, it's yeah. nothing. Yeah. Like you can blow that hands down yeah and it won't make a darn difference it, yeah. it does i guess at the time but like realistically speaking i mean if you're making 13 dollars an hour versus what you do when you're an actual career yeah. earner yeah when you're when like you're it's, 45 or 50 and it, yeah. it's it's nothing um but of course with balance at the same yeah. time because yeah. if you if you if you build up the blow your money uh muscle yeah yeah, it's it's easier to do when you're 45. As That's well. just going to yeah. continue on and go down the road yeah. too. So, maintaining my same mindset. Yeah. If I could go back in time and say nothing else has changed in terms of the way that yeah. I am, I would change it a little bit. And yeah, say, you yeah, wouldn't say spend you it spend all. You just say spend spend a bit more. You can you yeah. can do more. You'll you'll be good. You know you'll be good. Yeah. Right. Why don't you just enjoy yourself yeah. a little bit more and i wouldn't say i didn't enjoy myself yeah really i had a lot but there of were times, there were opportunities that weren't taken i'm sure there were opportunities right. that i could have right. done um that i wouldn't have done yeah because of that so last question um if you for our for our podcast who would who would the ultimate three interviews be like if you could interview anybody in the world and have them on our podcast to talk about fatherhood and parenting, that sort of stuff. Who would it be? Wow. It's going to be some pauses here while I think I, about that. That's I, a, I told you I, I was planning up some doozies. For yeah. You. I could see that one of the names that just sort of popped into my head is, is someone like Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. You know, he is a father. Yeah. Right. Of at least two, maybe three children. I don't know. Still married and, and seemingly like he's living sort of his best life. Now he's a, He's a billionaire type stuff, mm-hmm. but I, it, he still probably works reasonably hard, et cetera. So yeah. just understanding that lifestyle, and I would probably be more interested in understanding pre-billionaire type stuff, what it was like for him, the yeah. the grind aspect of it. Did it affect his relationship as all? I would imagine he probably has had already made it <laughs> more more times over than anything else. Yeah. Um, when he ended up having children, I don't know that I don't know him that much in, mm-hmm. in his lifestyle, but I feel like that's probably the case. Um, and so, the sacrifices were made were probably more when he was still with his now wife mm-hmm. um, and trying to grind that out and just talking about that and what it's like and the sacrifices that he made, etc. That would I would be interested to to talk to him about, um, and then to some degree just asking about the parents as well and what it's like parenting when you're like there is no do, limit yeah. to the money that you have how do you instill inspiration and motivation yeah. in a child who's going to have everything exactly yeah, yeah. Um, okay so i'd be very much interested in that yeah um no question about it so that one's the first one that came yeah. <laughs> what were the other two it seems like it's easy to try and think of celebrities and whatever i, I would 
actually probably Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Yep. That would be just that would be one of mine. Too. Awesome. Yep. Conversation mm-hmm. overall. He would, you know, hometown boy. Hometown exactly. It'd be a great conversation. Yep. Um, and just business I, owner, actor, yep. activist, right? <laughs> Philanthropist, father. So many yeah. Uh, frankly, the main, the the biggest interest that I would probably ask him about is is the relationship world within um, the acting world because everything mm-hmm. seems like it's a big freaking honeypot yeah. of time, a yeah. time warp that you everyone's everyone's attractive, mm-hmm. right? You're spending committed amount of time to another attractive individual often having to play that you are very attracted to the other person. Yeah. Like it, what a mind bending experience yeah. to be able to try and separate yourself from the person that you like and that them, them be. being yeah. okay with you essentially making out and pretending to be in yeah. love with this individual often. Uh, it just, what a wild world. Yeah. Uh, and just trying to ex- understand that a little bit and, and get, I guess some experience about what it is that maybe hopefully they've solved the, the secret somehow and they're able to continue on their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that whole part of it, it's a world that I know nothing about really. Yeah. It, it boggles my mind as to why people get married in, in a couple of days and then are divorced in the next couple of days. Yeah. And like, why would you go through this and all these different experiences? Like, uh, from a practical standpoint, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. Right. Now they're, they're actors, right? So they're, they're probably a lot far, far removed and, and more on the emotional side of things than I am. Right. Well, and, um, and in that world, I think any attention is good attention. So yes, you know, having the spotlight placed on you because mm-hmm. you've married somebody and then even having the spotlight placed on you because you've divorced somebody right. can be very good for you. Yes. So I would be very much interested in just talking mm-hmm. about that a little yeah. bit. Uh, that would be my main focus questions is just yeah. around trying to like, can you ex- open up a little bit more? And I feel like he would probably give some decent answers yeah. into that. It wouldn't world be, a little it wouldn't bit. be all the staged answers like the, yeah. the publicist answers that yeah. you would get from an, uh, yeah. another actor. So who's number three? Came up with two so far. I'm pretty yeah, happy with pretty that. Good. It's pretty good. Trying to go a different route than famous billionaire you know, rich individuals. Yeah, I think both of those qualify in that category. I I think Ryan Reynolds is almost at that point. I don't have a, I don't have someone off the top of my head, but very much um, talking to someone. I guess probably who ended up being successful as well. Oh, um, the pursuit of happiness, dude. Mm, yes. Gardner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know the person I'm yes, talking about, yeah. right? Will Smith played him in yeah. Pursuit of Happiness. It, yeah. A single, yeah, a single father. Yeah, incredible struggle. Ugh. Right, I I cry every time I watch that movie. Yeah, I think it is one of the most moving, powerful movies that you could put on. Yeah. So talking to, I mean, I, I'm whether I've said it to you before as well, but man, as single parents, mm-hmm. like it's hard enough with two parents. Yeah. And and. The support system that we have, we have good friends and our parents are really not that far away. So they come over and help and things like that. But, and I think, man, having none of that really and being a single parent. Yeah. 
Well, I, I don't... In a system that's already biased against you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And being an African American, like, yeah. oh, all these different things stacking against you. And yeah. uh, it just, I have so much respect for any single parent out there to be able to raise a child. And, and like, I, I just, they, they were probably the highest respect I can think of, actually, yeah. just to, especially if your child turns out anywhere decent, because there's very little in the world that should be able to help yeah those individuals to succeed and be able to get through that and it's just i have so much respect for those individuals just because i i have that ability to i think to separate myself and look at like yeah i'm pretty well off in terms of the world and the support system and holy geez what would that be like yeah and uh i i i still am grounded by that and i would love i i would enjoy talking to single parents constantly about this stuff chris gardner yeah 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 that would be really interesting yeah so chris if you're listening (laughs) i'm sure Uh, you are yeah (laughs) deep into this hour-long interview of someone that uh (laughs) you don't know about so that's uh, those are three great names so we covered a lot in in this conversation a, a huge amount and i appreciate you allowing me to dig a little deeper into you and show the listeners the uh the underbelly of graham um with that we'll we'll close it out um please take the opportunity to uh rate and uh, review the podcast uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts it helps us greatly it um it gets the podcast out to more people helps it to show up on some of the the lists um, share the podcast with anybody you think that this might be able to help, whether they're flawed dad or, or flawed mom, you know, get our message out there to, to more people. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to reach us, you can contact us at flawedadpodcast at gmail.com or through our social media, uh, on Instagram, flawed dad podcast, please leave us a message, DM us, and we'll get back to you. Uh, We may even use your questions or, or comments on the next show. Thanks so much. Have a great day. See you later.